welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 264. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Ugh. I'm not alone in the studio today. I have a guest host. Who's here? Sophie! I meant, yay, Sophie's here. The thing is, She's not here because she really wanted to do the podcast. She's not here because she really digs Atari. She's really just here because she hates today's game a whole bunch. And she wanted to spread her hatred. Which is very very fitting for the current climate we live in, I guess. But it makes me a little sad. Oh well, we'll press through. I'm just doing my part in society to warn people about bad games they should not buy. Well, the thing is, this game is pretty much free everywhere, so you don't have to pay any money for it. Well, don't go out looking for it. Alrighty. How you been, Sophie? Good. What's new? Nothing. It snowed again. It did snow again. And it's really, really cold today. What are you going to do today? Watch the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, okay. As we're recording this, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm probably not allowed to say Super Bowl on the podcast, probably going to get fined for that. But you know what? No one listens to this show, so it's okay. You just called all your listeners a bunch of nobodies. (laughs) Well, the the four people that do listen are good people, but nobody else listens to it. Now that fifth person is very (laughs) sad. There's probably a fifth person sitting out there, and they're all offended now. I'm sorry, fifth person. You have to keep talking, Sophie, because I'm looking for something. Um, how have you all been? Um, that's good. Uh, what's your favorite color? Mine too. Um. <laughs> this is fun. Keep going. Uh, where are you all from? Oh, cool. Me too. Thankfully, I found what I was looking for, so we can stop doing that. Are you okay now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, thanks. Got another message from uh, patron Patrick McCarthy. You know, the guy who made me play Porky's on the podcast last week? That guy. Here's what he said. Can't wait to listen to the Porky's episode, LOL. Is there anything better, in theory, than an Atari cartridge based on an R-rated movie? It makes about as much sense as the Kenner Alien doll for kids. Thanks for seeking it out. Also, I'm thinking it's better to use Twitter to send pics of old Atari ads and stuff. So I'll start doing that. If you remember last week on the podcast, Patrick told us that he has set up a message board, or was going to set up a message board on the Patreon page to uh, share some of his Blip magazine covers and so forth, you know, Atari advertising and whatnot. But it sounds like what he's going to do now is just tweet those out. And his Twitter handle is, hold on, Sophie, talk some more. Um, what's you all's favorite food? Yours too. Cool, me too. (laughs) What team do you want to win the Super Bowl? By the time they hear this, the Super Bowl's over. Uh, well, they didn't win, so sorry. Um, Um, when's your birthday? Mine too! Uh, I have no other questions. No further questions, Mr. President. 
What if the president listens to your podcast? Biden? Yeah, Joe. I don't see Biden listening to podcasts. Maybe he does. I don't know. Okay, so Patrick, I assume using his regular Twitter account, at P-A-N, or sorry, at P-A-T-N-Y-R, I assume that's the account that he'll be tweeting out uh, covers and Atari ads from the old uh, 1980s Blip magazine. Um, They're kind of fun to look at. I don't remember Blip at all from when I was a kid, but looking at what he has put out so far, it kind of looks to me like uh, Dynamite magazine, which I do remember. I read a bunch of those uh, as a kid. I would get them, I think, through the scholastic book fairs at school, and that was always fun. That's what it reminds me of. I don't know if it's exactly the same thing, but that's what it, uh, that's what I think of. So be looking for that. Start following Patrick on the uh, on the Twitters, and we'll uh, we'll all have fun. So Patrick's note says, I just sent away for an issue of Blip that offers a behind-the-scenes look at iMagic or eMagic. This is the part of the show where I mispronounce iMagic or possibly eMagic headquarters. Maybe we'll finally figure out how to pronounce it. Apparently Patrick has the same problem I do. We are brothers in mispronunciation, and that makes me feel a little bit better. All right, thanks for all that, Patrick. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for uh, sharing the Blip magazines. Thanks for being you, basically. All right. Guest host, you're supposed to fill dead air. I don't have any more questions. <laughs> you don't have to ask questions. You could just share stories. I... You could talk. You heard the dumb stuff I've been talking about already. You can just You just, you talk. just called that. Dude, dumb. <laughs> no, I meant. Daddy, the... you're not gonna get any listeners <laughs> like this. I didn't mean that. I meant the stuff I was talking about before that. I don't remember that. So last week, well, this week for me, last week for you, uh, we had a big snowfall, and Henry and I went out to have a snowball fight. And as this was playing out, I suddenly realized we basically were playing Yars Revenge with snow. I was on one side. There was a sort of a neutral zone barrier area in the middle. Henry was on the other side, and he had built a wall, a fortress that he was hiding behind. And my job was to use snowballs to try and knock his fortress down. And then every once in a while, he would come out with a, like with an armful of snowballs and throw them at me. Uh, he'd come out from behind his barrier, and I realized, wait a minute, this is basically just Yar's revenge with snow. So that was kind of cool. Yars Revenge, Sophie's a really good game. You should play it. No. Well, all right. Then you should go throw a snowball at Henry. No. No? Why? Because snow is cold. Well, you got me there. Uh, Snow is cold. What was that look for? What do you mean? Like, you just laid some knowledge on me. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Anyway, let's get on to this week's game. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about. Well, I have a lot of things to talk about. I just don't want to talk about them right now. Fair enough. Let's do this week's game. (laughs) They are waiting for us to talk about this game. (laughs) That is what your podcast is about. This week's game is... I'm sure when you went out last week to play pong, you got to so much fun, you just came for what to come home. We all miss you, Doreen. And guess what? Atari, inventors of them electronic games with the quarters in, just made Pong for home TV. Scores even in all. Pong, invented by Atari. Now at last you can play at home. Don't win, darling. Come on back home. Pong, from Atari. 
originally 1972, and then the home version in 1975. This is it, everybody. This is the game that started it all. This is it. Without Pong, I'd be sitting here every Sunday just talking to myself about other stuff. I wouldn't have any Atari games to talk about. So why am I playing Pong? I mean, real talk, it's not the most challenging game or the most visually appealing game ever. But there's two things. One, it's the original, right? At some point you have to look at Pong because, like I said, there wouldn't be any other Atari games, really, if it wasn't for Pong. The other reason I'm doing it is, frankly, it's a palate cleanser from last week. Porky's was a very disturbing game based on a disturbing movie. And I just really needed to uh, reset and uh, just do something very simple this week. So I chose Pong. I kind of looked for a manual for this, but not because you need a manual to figure out the rules, right? It's pretty simple. You have a, a little square on one side of the screen, or a rectangle if you're playing on the easy setting, and a little square or a rectangle, a different color on the other side of the screen, and a little white square floats around and you try to hit it into the other side's goal. There are 50 variations of the game that you can play, but they're all pretty much the same. Some of them have little barriers in between the, the little rectangles. Some of them don't. I was only looking for a manual so I could tell which ones were the one-player games and which ones were the two-player games. I used, We used the paddles for this. I think you could use the joystick if you want, but it's not quite as sensitive. And yeah, so that's how you play Pong from Atari. The original, you might say. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast all about life lessons growing up and every episode a segment about music music that i love artists that i admire and sometimes even my own music you can find autobiography of a schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers or you can go to schnookpodcast.com that's s-c-h-n-o-o-k podcast.com and I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Usually we do the review part later, but right now, without saying so much what you think of playing the game, what do you think of the type of game that it is? It's bad. <laughs> Alright, I guess we're just going to talk about what you think of the game. You've played other Atari games, right? Yes. I'm sure you've been on the show before. You've played, like, Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. And and they were all better than this one. All better than this one. Wow. So what's so bad about this game? It's boring and Dad cheats. Okay, first of all, there's no way to cheat in this game. Unless I say, hey, what's that? It made you look away from the screen. And then you missed the ball. But I didn't do that. I just happened to score more points. No, he has some, like insider knowledge that he's not telling us okay so for the maybe one of you who stumbled on an atari podcast having no idea what atari is but decided to listen anyway uh or you know there may be some of you who are, came to the show for the for the story portion which we'll get to in a minute and i appreciate that uh, i really do consider this more of a storytelling podcast than a gaming podcast so for the, the few of you who lis listening who don't know what Pong is, it's a table tennis game, basically. Two-dimensional graphics, 
originally released in 1972, one of the earliest arcade video games created by Alan Alcorn, very famous name in Atari circles, as a training exercise assigned by co-founder of Atari Nolan Bushnell, another famous name. But Bushnell and Atari co-founder Ted Dabney were surprised by the quality of Alcorn's work and decided to manufacture the game. I mean, you have to remember, this was early 70s, dude, where there were no video games to speak of, and they came up with this thing, and it had to look amazing. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> wow. The concept of the game was based on an electronic ping-pong game included in the Magnavox Odyssey, which was actually the first home video console, and in response, Magnavox later sued Atari for patent infringement, because that's what companies do. That, I know this is an audio podcast, you guys can't see what I'm looking at, but Sophie, this is the original Pong arcade cabinet. If you were in a store somewhere, or uh, I don't know, a bowling alley, or wherever they might have had this, because they didn't really have arcades, and you walked by that, and you were 15 in 1972, would you stop and put a quarter in that? No. What would you do with your quarter, then? Keep in mind, a quarter would have bought a lot more in 1972 than it would now. I'd probably go, like, buy a car or something with my quarter. Okay, you probably couldn't buy a car. Have you watched those game shows? They give away those cars for, like, 25 cents. We've been watching a lot of the Buzzer channel, the old game shows, which, by the way, a lot of the hosts on there kind of creepy. But we have been enjoying watching how much things cost. You know, you have to guess the price of a car, and it's like 4 bucks versus uh, 30000 now. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not very much. So that's what Sophie's talking about. I don't think even then you could buy a car for for 25 cents. Fine, I would go buy a dog. A dog? Okay. Wikipedia puts this game in the sports category. I guess ping pong is a sport. Yeah. I suppose. You can play it. They do it in the Olympics, right? Yeah, I don't know. Don't say Forrest that. Gump won the Olympics playing ping pong. That was an actual person? No, it's a movie. It's a good movie. We should watch it. No. The first commercially successful video game helped establish the video game industry, along with the Odyssey. Atari's competitors released new types of video games that deviated from Pong's original format to varying degrees, leading Atari to develop more stuff. Atari released several sequels to Pong that built upon the original's gameplay by adding new features. During the 1975 Christmas season, Atari released a home version of Pong exclusively through Sears retail stores. We like Sears, Sophie. Sears doesn't really exist for all intents and purposes now, but Sears made Sears made me. Grandpa worked for Sears for like 30 years. I know. I know. So, there are no Sears, there probably would be no me. I wouldn't have had any clothes anyway. Because <laughs> I only wore Sears clothes growing up. Really? Yep, pretty much. Pong is part of the permanent collection of the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. due to its cultural impact. That's Alan Alcorn, Sophie. This is the guy that invented the game. Alan Alcorn was born in 1948, pioneering engineer and computer scientist. Toward the end of 1978, Alcorn assembled a team of engineers and began designing a game console called Cosmos. Unlike the VCS, Cosmos did not plug into a television set. It had a light-emitting diode display. Both systems played games stored on cartridges, but Cosmos's tiny cartridges had no electronics, simply a 4x5-inch mylar transparency that cost so little to manufacture that the entire cartridge could retail for 10 bucks. By 1980, Alcorn and his team had completed a working prototype, but when they showed it to marketing, they were told that the department had no interest in selling anything other than the VCS. Alcorn, Jenkins, and Hector, his, his co-workers on this project, had invested too much time in Cosmos to abandon it. They were advised by other engineers to walk away from the project, but he, Alcorn instead decided to market the unit himself. 
The holographic overlays attract a lot of attention at trade shows. There was good response, although not as much as the VCS got, but Ray Kassar, now in charge of Atari, refused to manufacture it. If anyone knows more about the Cosmos, let me know. That's kind of an interesting story that, frankly, I didn't know a whole lot about. I did actually find a review of Pong. Endgadget.com gave a nice little summary of the Pong console, uh, noting that it cost just under 100 bucks, just enough to buy an Xbox 360 and a Nintendo Wii by today's dollars. But the bargain-hunting first owner of the unit we reviewed paid just $79.95, according to the price tag that's still stuck on there. Actually, the second generation of Pong hardware made available to consumers, a.k.a. Home Pong, or the C100, though the first iteration, released in 1975, was sold exclusively through Sears Sporting Goods. It was labeled Telegames Pong. Other than different colored plastics and labeling, the two units are identical. This edition of Pong sports a brown and black color combination that clearly establishes its pedigree as a 70s icon. It sits upon a large base of black plastic, elevating it up off a table or lap, while a little rubber nub at each corner keeps the whole unit from sliding around too much in frantic two-player matches. The power toggle is a big mushy switch that oozes from side to side without positively engaging on other side. Next to it is an exposed metal button that is kindly labeled Push Start Game. It is, we have learned, impossible to read the label on this button without slipping into a Frankenstein-like accent. Whoa is a word you're likely to utter the first time you flip that power switch on a Pong console. See? See? These guys turned on and they were like, whoa! Well, good for them! <laughs> you're presented with a rainbow of blocks that flow across the screen in unison, dra- gradually shifting hue as they go. It's a surprisingly psychedelic, trippy effect that those in an altered state could probably stare at for hours. Solitaire mode isn't much fun, but it is at least an incredibly effective way to verify that your chosen dominant hand is indeed your dominant hand. Pong is best served as a multiplayer game. That's why I dragged Sophie in here today. You're welcome, Sophie. You have to introduce our new guest. Oh, Bug the dog wandered in. She looks less than impressed. We could spend the next few paragraphs talking about what this game lacks. High scores, gameplay modes, background music, lengthy single-player campaign with multiple endings and numerous NPCs with whom you can have physical relations... But we will instead talk about what this game has, and that is the fun factor. Pong is fun. Shockingly so. Spoiler for my review later. I agree. I saw that. I just got a look from Sophie. Yeah. So, endgadget.com. There's more to it. You guys can go read that. I think it's a very fair review. Okay. Well, after the break, will we go wrong with Pong? Yes. game that started it all. The greatest Atari game ever. Well, it is the one that started it all. And I have a guest player today. Who's here? Me! Well, you might have to say who you are. They know who I am. <laughs> Sorry. But for the, like, one of you who just wandered into this uh, podcast today, this is my buddy Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Hi! I really did kind of trick her into playing this today for the field report. Because uh, I needed a second player, and I don't have any friends, so <laughs> we're playing Pong. Uh, I think it's fair to say so far, Sophie, not impressed with Pong. Only because he's cheating. Yes, I cheat. He didn't cheat in like the 1980s accordion. That's Cameraman Henry, of course. You know him. So this is maybe not the greatest game ever, but it's the one that started it all. 
And when this came out in the early 70s, people would play this game for hours. They might have been stoned. I don't know. But they would play the game for hours and hours. I don't know. What does that mean? We'll talk about it later. All right. Should we play this? Sure. You guys can see on the screen. It's a... Uh, not for a minute there, you can see my hand. For the one use that paid for this, you can see on the screen. Yeah. So, we got a whole weird setup here. There are 50 options for Pong games. I chose number 19 for no particular reason whatsoever. So, uh, we haven't actually played this variation yet. Let's, uh, this will be exciting. Let's see what happens. I wasn't ready. I'm yellow. Sophie's blue. Ah, dang it. Push your button. Whoops. What happened? I don't know. Oh, I think you changed the mode. We did. We changed to the next game. Go ahead. I'm using the pedal. We're using pedals, not the controller that came with. Uh, flashback. Playing this on the flashback, by the way. You could, yeah. It would take a long yeah, time. Yeah, see you change the mode. Yeah. When did you score? Ha. Is it moving? Yeah, it's okay. There's not much to this game. Right? You hit a little it's, white ball. It's basically if whoever won a purple gets a disadvantage. Yeah! Well, yeah. I don't totally understand that because most of these games are like that. The yellow paddle tends to be a rectangle. A purple or blue one, depending on how it looks on your screen, is usually a square. Yeah, I don't, I don't know blue. why. And the people are seeing more of the I blue. assume it's a difficulty switch thing. Maybe I can adjust that. There we go. It was. Alright, so we're both on the easier difficulty setting. Ah. What do you think of this game, Henry? If you were an 11 year old in 19... Wait, it just fades through you. When you're like wandering around and you wander into a, a I don't know, it wouldn't have been an arcade then. It'd be like, a, I don't even know where. A convenience store maybe or Sears. Um, and you see this thing on a screen. What do you think you would have thought? Well, wow, why did they make this? Go ahead. I would have thought, wow, why did they make this? I guess that was the end of the game. We've seen enough anyway, probably. Quick reaction, Sophie. What did you think? What do you think? This game is silly. It's silly. Yes. You think all Atari games are silly? Well, yeah, but this one especially. This is especially silly. Yes. What do you think, Henry? Why did they make this? Wow. With that ringing uh, endorsement for Pong, back to you in the studio. Hey, Atari fans. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. 
You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables, is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock full of bite-sized stories in every genre from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories and everything in between. Zombies in Love, Twisted Car Races, and the aforementioned Devilish Breakfast Food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Beats a Dakota ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, in words, lots of those too. Pick up Hell's Cereal, very short stories fortified with essential syllables wherever you'd like to get your books. Not cereal. Here's the thing about Pong. Sophie, do we like Pong? No. Would you care to elaborate on why we don't like Pong? It's boring, and I'm bad at it. To be fair, how can you be bad at a game where you just move a little rectangle on a screen and hit a little white square with it? Well, considering you beat me by almost 20 points, I would say I'm pretty bad at it. Maybe the problem isn't that you're bad. Maybe I'm just really, really good. No. Maybe. No. All right, fine. I like Pong. It is pretty simple, no question. Even by 1980s Atari standards, even by late 70s Atari standards, it is really, really basic. But you have to remember, this was 1972 when this thing came out. And there weren't video games to speak of. I guess there was the Odyssey, but uh, which I think I mentioned this on the show before. I found out not that many years ago for the first time that my family actually had an Odyssey, I think, at one point, and it disappeared at some point. I have no memory of that at all. I'm guessing it was before I came around, but I am stunned and a little disappointed that we don't have that anymore. So this thing was probably amazing at the time. It was like what what would be comparable, uh, like television, right? When television first came along uh, in the 30s and people started putting TVs in their homes, that had to be amazing too. And, And this is, for gaming, this is probably comparable to that. Try to imagine if we got a TV for the first time, Sophie. What? How am I supposed to imagine that when I've had a TV my whole life? Or your phone, your cell phone. Imagine that. Ugh. I was older than you before I ever had a cell phone, before it was even a thing you could get. What did you all do? I don't know, man. We found a payphone, I guess. And used some of our Pong quarters for the payphone. Your car buying quarters? Our car car buying quarters. I don't know, man. I like this game. I appreciate the game for its historical significance. No, it's not a game I'd just sit there for hours and play. I'll go play Yard's Revenge or Toy Shop Trouble or Pitfall or uh, Mega Mania or something. But I appreciate the game for what it is. you have any other thoughts about Pong? No. All right. Well, let's do this then. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. Sophie, do you have a story for the folks today? 
No. All right. I do. Okay. <laughs> this week's story is titled Ping Prawn. Sebastian rearranged the cards on the desk before him and adjusted his earpiece, which frustratingly refused to stay on. His favorite segment was coming up, the segment where mostly his audience tells him how great he is. Who wouldn't love that? Back in five, Sebastian's producer Ted said, the constant movement of Ted's abdomen had given him an amazing six-pack, a point which was not lost on Sebastian. The light on camera two came on and Sebastian lit up. Not literally, not anymore. The bacteria count here in the studio was pretty low now, but being on camera did give him a warm glow within his thorax. And we're back, Sebastian said to camera two. Friends, here on Crustacean Nation, we're nothing if not family. Well, Krangons, it's time for a family meeting. A chance for us to exchange ideas, to banter back and forth. You serve up the topics, and I smash them down. Sebastian's audience, typically an intense, aggressive crowd, emitted polarized light, ready to air grievances, those that were real, perceived, or somewhere in between. The extensive array of sensory hairs on Sebastian's carapace tingled. That's right, friends, Sebastian said. It's time for our award-winning segment, Ping Prawn. And I'm serving up a good one tonight. Let's do this. The shrimp in the front row waved two pair of its jointed walking legs and stood on the other three. She shouted, Prawn, word is there's a new allergy vaccine that will make the humans... She paused to try and make air quotes with a set of legs immune from us. A vaccine, they say, will make them less scared of us. Do you believe them? A rumble bubbled up from deep within Sebastian Prawn's thorax and exploded forth with the force of a depth charge. Allergies, he said with the disdain of the in the know but never explaining, are the tools of a scared majority. The humans fear the might of sea creatures. There are no vaccines. It's a hoax. We all know this. Next a massive wave of applause, nearly dissuading the quivering shrimp from raising his hand. But if there are no allergies, doesn't that mean the humans will eat more of us? Booze and snickers. The humans don't eat shellfish, Sebastian Prawn said. I did a whole blog post about this. Do your reading before you bother me with this stuff. An oyster in the back of the studio spat out a pearl and stood on his seat. No small feat for a creature without legs. Prawn? He said, if the humans don't eat us, and you've said this many times, we rule the oceans so the other sea creatures aren't eating us either, where are we going? My bowling team disappeared on Tuesday, in the middle of league play. The nets are always full. Too full. Sebastian Prawn raised his right leg, the first one, as if preparing to serve a tomahawk smash on an opponent across the net. Really? That's your question? That's the interrogative you want to waste this fine audience's time with? A pause as the audience roars. Did you not read my book? Sebastian said. Small world jumbo shrimp ideas? Go get it at the website. Promo code SCAMPY. Good natured groans at that. Hey, we like to have fun here, Sebastian Prawn said. He raised his arm again. All right, get ready, he said. I'm about to serve up a massive ball of truth on you. Most of the audience mimicked the arm gesture. A few were picked up by passing, a passing school of sea urchins, eager for a quick feed. Here's the deal, Sebastian said. No one is eating us. Boom. A few of the audience members pointed out the now empty seats in the studio. Sebastian Prawn waved it off. They want you to think we have predators. 
That's how they keep us in line. Don't fall for it, sheep shrimp. Our children, the larvae on our swimmerettes, deserve to know the truth. Whenever a shrimp disappears from the group, we all know where they go, right? They're in hiding, waiting for the oncoming tsunami. One day the shrimp will become the dominant species. King Neptune has promised to lead us. Nothing can stop us. It was at this point, just before the first commercial break for the new reproductive aid that promised to cut the gestation period after shrimp sex from six hours to three hours, that the gray whale glided in. She devoured Sebastian Prawn and the entire studio's worth of crustaceans and moved on without ever slowing down. The next week, in Crustacean Nation's time slot, a new, shade, a new show debuted, Ping Pong Pollywog. The estate of Sebastian Prawn quickly filed suit for infringement of Prawn's intellectual property. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Sophie for joining me for most of the show. She's wandered away now. I guess she's... She's aired her grievances about Pong and moved on. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. Thanks to M. Carp for the What Game is Henry Playing while we podcast about a different game theme, which you didn't hear this week. Here's how reviews on Apple Podcasts work. You serve up a review, and potential listeners read it. You give the show five stars, and those potential listeners bounce back to become actual listeners. Ping pong, y'all. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. And don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail about pretty much anything you want at 563-265-1978. Leave a message. I'll never answer the phone. It's nothing personal. But uh, you can leave that message about anything you want, and I will play it on the show. I think I said that already. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You're going to find show notes, social media, info about this podcast, Atari Bytes, about my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You're going to find uh, information about other things that I've done, and a page with descriptions of my books, and links to just some of the places that you can order them, like Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories, fortified with essential syllables. Consider supporting the show financially as well by joining the Patreon at Patreon, the Atari Bytes page on patreon.com. Uh, potentially, you know, depending on what level you subscribe at, you could get access to episodes early. Don't have to wait until Sundays. You could get bonus content, uh, things that I put up there every once in a while outside of the regular show, uh, including videos, uh, truly awful videos of the field report that I do every week. And you could take turns monitoring the current patrons because they need some supervision. Thanks, though, to the patrons, Michael Tyler, Jose Caseda, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jim Goble, and Patrick McCarthy, who is out of thank you probation now that I'm done with Porky's. And, oh, Sophie wandered back in. What's going on? That's six. Um, yeah. Yeah, you said there are only four. 
Now you make these two people feel sad. When did I say four? You said to my four listeners, and then I said, well, now oh. the fifth person probably feels bad. In and the- now there are six people, and now there's two people that feel bad. In the beginning of the show, I did say four, I have four listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So now you guys should join the patron Patreon so that you can try and figure out which of those two current patrons aren't listening to the show. See? There you go. Two of you are disrespectful. <laughs> I'm kidding. I might have been exaggerating when I said only four. Sophie's giving me that 15-year-old look. I'm 15 and almost a half. 15 and almost a half. Yeah. I'll be 15 and a half February 22nd. What, you want them to send you a present? Yes. <laughs> That's fair. I want them to send me a present, too. My address is 822 nope. Pennsylvania Avenue. Is that the White House? Uh, you, no, it's 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, close enough. Do <laughs> you want them to send packages addressed to you at the White House? Yeah, me and Joe Biden know each other. He can send... Well, I don't want to give my address. Cause, no, that's fair. Yeah, so... But me and Biden are like friends. We're buddies. So he can send me my packages. You think when Joe goes out to the mailbox to get the mail, he's going to see that there's a package for you and just uh, scribble uh, your name and address on there and send it to you? Yeah. I don't think any of that's going to happen. I think it will. You're just jealous you're not buddies with Joe. All right. Well, while you guys are at it, put something in the mail to the White House for me, too. No. Your birthday already passed. It did. I'm never having birthdays again. (laughs) Until next year. Until next year, yeah. Anything else we need to talk about today? I just taught the dog how to count. That's where I was. Hold on. You taught the dog to count? (laughs) Yeah, because she goes to the vet on Wednesday, and she gets excited. So we were talking about how many days she has to go to the vet. And so then I was teaching her how to count. She does like to go to the vet for some weird reason. So how high can she count? Uh, we got to six toes. Because then we were counting her little puppy toes. Okay. She did not like it, though, because she doesn't really like her paws to be touched. That's true. All right. Well, gee, maybe I'll do a bonus video where Bug counts things. <gasps> yeah. That's something to look forward to, guys. All right. All that's left is to tell you what's happening next week. Next time on Atari Bytes. <laughs> Rubik's Cube. I didn't know this. I just learned this recently that there is an Atari version of the Rubik's Cube. You better get Henry on. Not only that, there is an Atari version of Rubik's Cube 3D. Uh, next week, though, we're just doing the 2D Rubik's Cube, and I am pretty sure Henry will be all over that as he is the self-taught Rubik's Cube master. So that'll be fun. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.